Section four of the Journals of Robert Falcon Scott by Robert Falcon Scott Volume one This is a LibriVox recording. Section four Chapter two In the Pack Part two Monday, december the nineteenth. On the whole, in spite of many bumps, we made good progress during the night, but the morning present outlook, is the worst we've had. We seem to be in the midst of a terribly heavy screwed pack. It stretches in all directions, as far as the eye can see, and the prospects are alarming from all points of view. I have decided to push west, anything to get out of these terribly heavy flows. Great patience is the only panacea for our ill case. It is bad luck. We first got amongst the very thick flows at 1 a.m., and jammed through some of the most monstrous I have ever seen. The pressure ridges rose twenty-four feet above the surface. The ice must have extended at least thirty feet below. The blows given us gave the impression of irresistible solidity. Later in the night we passed out of this into long lanes of water, and some of thin brash ice, hence the progress made. I am afraid we have strained our rudder. It is stiff in one direction. We are in difficult circumstances altogether. This morning we have brilliant sunshine and no wind. Noon, 67 degrees, 54.5 minutes south, 178 degrees, 28 minutes west. Made good south, 34 west, 37 minutes. Cape Crozier, 606 minutes. Fog has spread up from the south with a very light southerly breeze. There has been another change of conditions, but I scarcely know whether to call it for the better or the worse. There are fewer heavy old flows. On the other hand, the one-year's flows, tremendously screwed and doubtless including old flows in their mass, have now enormously increased in area. A flow which we have just passed must have been a mile across. This argues lack of swell, and from that one might judge the open water to be very far. We made progress in a fairly good direction this morning, but the outlook is bad again. The ice seems to be closing. Again, patience. We must go on steadily working through. 5.30. We passed two immense bergs in the afternoon watch, the first of an irregular tabular form. The stratified surface had clearly faulted. I suggest that an uneven bottom to such a berg, giving unequal buoyancy to parts, causes this faulting. The second berg was domed, having a twin peak. These bergs are still a puzzle. I rather cling to my original idea that they become domed when stranded and isolated. These two bergs have left long tracks of open water in the pack. We came through these, making nearly three knots, but alas, only in a direction which carries us a little east of south. It was difficult to get from one track to another, but the tracks themselves were very clear of ice. I noticed with rather sinking that the flows on either side of us were assuming gigantic areas. One or two could not have been less than two or three miles across. It seems to point to very distant open water. But an observation which gave greater satisfaction was a steady reduction in the thickness of the flows. At first they were still much pressed up and screwed. One saw lines and heaps of pressure dotted over the surface of the larger flows, but it was evident from the upturned slopes that the flows had been thin when these disturbances took place. At about 4.30 we came to a group of six or seven low tabular bergs, some fifteen or twenty feet in height. It was such as these that we saw in King Edward's Land, 
and they might very well come from that region. Three of these were beautifully uniform, with flat tops and straight perpendicular sides, and others had overhanging cornices, and some sloped towards the edges. No more open water was reported on the other side of the bergs, and one wondered what would come next. The conditions have proved a pleasing surprise. There are still large flows on either side of us, but they are not much hummocked. There are pools of water on their surface, and the lanes between are filled with light brash, and only an occasional heavy flow. The difference is wonderful. The heavy flows and gigantic pressure ice struck one most alarmingly. It seemed impossible that the ship could win her way through them, and led one to imagine all sorts of possibilities, such as remaining to be drifted north and freed later in the season. And the contrast now that the ice all around is a little more than two or three feet thick is an immense relief. It seems like release from a horrid captivity. Evans has twice suggested stopping and waiting to-day, and on three occasions I have felt my own decision trembling in the balance. If this condition holds, I need not say how glad we shall be that we doggedly pushed on, in spite of the apparently hopeless outlook. In any case, if it holds or not, it will be a great relief to feel that there is this plain of negotiable ice behind one. Saw two sea leopards this evening, one in the water making short, lazy dives under the flows. It had a beautiful, sinuous movement. I have asked Pennell to prepare a map of the pack. It ought to give some idea of the origin of the various forms of flows and their general drift. I am much inclined to think that most of the pressure ridges are formed by the passage of bergs through the comparatively young ice. I imagine that when the sea freezes very solid it carries bergs with it, but obviously the enormous mass of a berg would need a great deal of stopping. In support of this view I notice that most of the pressure ridges are formed by pieces of a sheet which did not exceed one or two feet in thickness. Also it seems that the screwed ice which we have passed has occurred mostly in the regions of bergs. On one side of the tabular berg passed yesterday, pressure was heaped to a height of fifteen feet. It was like a ship's bow wave on a large scale. Yesterday there were many bergs and much pressure. Last night no bergs and practically no pressure. This morning few bergs and comparatively little pressure. It goes to show that the unconfined pack of these seas would not be likely to give a ship a severe squeeze. Saw a young emperor this morning, and whilst trying to capture it, one of Wilson's new whales with the sabre dorsal fin rose close to the ship. I estimated this fin to be four feet high. It is pretty to see the snow petrel and Antarctic petrel diving on to the upturned and flooded flows. The wash of water sweeps the euphorsia across such submerged ice. The Antarctic petrel has a pretty crouching attitude. Notes on nicknames. Evans, Teddy. Wilson, Bill, Uncle Bill, Uncle. Simpson, Sunny Jim. Ponting, Ponko. Mears Day, no nicknames. Campbell, the mate, Mr. Mate. Pinnell, Penelope. Rennick, Parney. Bowers, Birdie. Taylor, Griff and Keahardy. Nelson, Marie and Bronte. Gran, no nickname. Cherry Garrard, Cherry. Wright, Silas, Toronto. Priestley, Raymond. Debenham, Deb. Bruce, no nickname. Drake, Francis. Atkinson, Jane, Helmin, Atchison.
oats, titus, soldier, farmer hayseed, by Bowers. Levick, Toferino, the old sport. Lily, Lithley, Hercules, Lithy. Tuesday, December the 20th, noon, 68 degrees, 41 minutes south, 179 degrees, 28 minutes west. Made good south, 36 west, 58. Cape Crozier south, 20 west, 563 degrees. The good conditions held up to midnight last night. We went from lead to lead, with only occasional small difficulties. From nine o'clock we passed along the western edge of a big stream of very heavy bay ice, such ice as would come out late in the season from the inner reaches and bays of Victoria Sound, where the snows drift deeply. For a moment one imagined a return to our bad conditions, but we passed this heavy stuff in an hour, and came again to the former condition, making our way in leads between flows of great area. Bowers reported a flow of twelve square miles in the middle watch. We made very fair progress during the night, and an excellent run in the morning watch. Before eight a moderate breeze sprang up from the west, and the ice began to close. We have worked our way a mile or two on since, but with much difficulty, so that we have now decided to bank fires and wait for the ice to open again. Meanwhile we shall sound and get a haul of tonnets. I am afraid we are still a long way from the open water. The flows are large, and where we have stopped they seem to be such as must have formed early last winter. The signs of pressure have increased again. Bergs were very scarce last night, but there are several around us to-day. One has a number of big humps on top. It is curious to think how these big blocks became perched so high. I imagine the berg must have been carved from a region of hard pressure ridges. Later. This is a mistake. On closer inspection it is quite clear that the berg has tilted, and that a great part of the upper strata, probably twenty feet deep, has slipped off, leaving the humps as islands on top. It looks as though we must exercise patience again. Progress is more difficult than in the worst of our experiences yesterday, but the outlook is very much brighter. This morning there were very many dark shades of open water sky to the south. The westerly wind ruffling the water makes these cloud shadows very dark. The barometer has been very steady for several days, and we ought to have fine weather. This morning a lot of low cloud came from the southwest, at one time low enough to become fog. The clouds are rising and dissipating, and we have almost a clear blue sky with sunshine. Evening. The wind has gone from west to west-southwest, and still blows nearly four six. We are lying very comfortably alongside a flow with open water to windward for two hundred or three hundred yards. The sky has been clear most of the day. Fragments of low stratus occasionally hurry across the sky, and the light cirrus is moving with some speed. Evidently it is blowing hard in the upper current. The ice has closed. I trust it will open well when the wind lets up. There is a lot of open water behind us. The berg described this morning has been circling round us, passing within eight hundred yards. The bearing and distance have altered so ununiformly that it is evident that the differential movement between the surface water and the berg-driving layers, from a hundred to two hundred metres down, is very irregular. We had several hours on the flow practising ski-running, and thus got some welcome exercise. Coal is now the great anxiety. We are making terrible inroads on our supply. We have come 240 miles since we first entered the pack streams. 
The sounding today gave 1,804 fathoms. The water-bottle didn't work, but temperatures were got at 1,300 and bottom. The temperature was down to 20 degrees last night, and kept two or three degrees below freezing all day. The surface for skiing today was very good. Wednesday, December the 21st. The wind was still strong this morning, but had shifted to the southwest. With an overcast sky, it was very cold and raw. The sun is now peeping through, the wind lessening, and the weather conditions generally improving. During the night, we had been drifting towards two large bergs, and about breakfast time, we were becoming uncomfortably close to one of them. The big floes were binding down on one another, but there seemed to be open water to the southeast if we could work out in that direction. Note, all directions of wind are given true in this book. Noon position, 68 degrees 25 minutes south, 179 degrees 11 minutes west. Made good south, 26 east, 2.5 its set of current north, 32 east, 9.4 minutes. Made good, 24 hours, north, 40 east, 8 minutes. We got the steam up, and about 9 a.m. commenced to push through. Once or twice we have spent nearly twenty minutes pushing through bad places, but it looks as though we are getting to easier water. It's distressing to have the pack so tight, and the bergs make it impossible to lie comfortably still for any length of time. Ponting has made some beautiful photographs, and Wilson some charming pictures of the pack and bergs. Certainly our voyage will be well illustrated. We find quite a lot of sketching talent. Day, Taylor, Debenham, and Wright all contribute to the elaborate record of the bergs and ice features met with. 5 p.m. The wind has settled to a moderate gale from southwest. We went two and a half miles this morning, then became jammed again. The effort has taken us well clear of the threatening bergs. Some others to leeward now are a long way off, but they are there, and to leeward, robbing our position of its full measure of security. Oh, but it's mighty trying to be delayed and delayed like this, and cold going all the time. Also we are drifting north and east. The pack has carried us nine minutes north and six minutes east. It really is very distressing. I don't like letting fires go out with these bergs about. Wilson went over the floe to capture some penguins and lay flat on the surface. We saw the birds run up to him, then turn within a few feet and rush away again. He says that they came towards him when he was singing, and ran away again when he stopped. They were all one-year birds, and seemed exceptionally shy. They appear to be attracted to the ship by a fearful curiosity. A chain of bergs must form a great obstruction to a field of pack ice, largely preventing its drift and forming lanes of open water. Taken in conjunction with the effect of bergs in forming pressure ridges, it follows that bergs have a great influence on the movement as well as the nature of pack. Thursday, December the 22nd. Noon, 68 degrees 26 minutes, 2 seconds. South, 197 minutes, 8 degrees, 5 seconds. West, situation, north 5. East, 8.5 minutes. No change. The wind still steady from the southwest, with a clear sky and even barometer. It looks as though it might last any time. This is sheer bad luck. 
we have let the fires die out. There are bergs to leeward, and we must take our chance of clearing them. We cannot go on wasting coal. There is not a vestige of swell, and with the wind in this direction there certainly ought to be, if the open water was reasonably close. No, it looks as though we'd struck a streak of real bad luck, that fortune has determined to put every difficulty in our path. We have less than three hundred tons of coal left in a ship that simply eats coal. It's alarming. And then there are the ponies going steadily downhill in condition. The only encouragement is the persistence of open water to the east and southeast to south. Big lanes of open water can be seen in that position, but we cannot get to them in this pressed-up peck. Atkinson has discovered a new tapeworm in the intestines of the Adderley penguin, a very tiny worm, one-eighth of an inch in length, with a propeller-shaped head. A crumb of comfort comes on finding that we have not drifted to the eastward appreciably. Friday, December the 23rd. The wind fell light at about ten last night, and the ship swung round. Sail was set on the fore, and she pushed a few hundred yards to the north, but soon became jammed again. This brought us dead to windward of, and close to a large berg, with the wind steadily increasing. Not a very pleasant position, but also not one that caused much alarm. We set all sail, and with this help the ship slowly carried the pack round, pivoting on the berg, until, as the pressure relieved, she slid out into the open water, close to the berg. Here it was possible to wear ship, and we saw a fair prospect of getting away to the east, and afterwards south. Following the leads up, we made excellent progress during the morning watch, and early in the forenoon turned south, and then south-west. We had made eight and a half minutes south, twenty-two east, and about five minutes south-south-west, by one p.m., and could see a long lead of water to the south, cut off only by a broad strip of flow with many water-holes in it, a composite flow. There was just a chance of getting through, but we have stuck half-way, advance and retreat equally impossible under sail alone. Steam has been ordered, but will not be ready till near midnight. Shall we be out of the pack by Christmas Eve? The flows to-day have been larger, but thin and very sodden. There are extensive water-pools showing in patches on the surface, and one notes some that run in line as though extending from cracks. Also here and there close water-free cracks can be seen. Such flows might well be termed composite flows, since they evidently consist of old flows which have been frozen together, the junction being concealed by more recent snowfalls. A month ago it would probably have been difficult to detect inequalities or differences in the nature of the parts of the flows, but now the younger ice has become waterlogged and is melting rapidly, hence the pools. I am inclined to think that nearly all the large flows, as well as many of the smaller ones, are composite, and this would seem to show that the cementing of two flows does not necessarily mean a line of weakness, provided the difference in the thickness of the cemented flows is not too great. Of course, young ice, or even a single season's sea ice, cannot become firmly attached to the thick old bay flows, and hence one finds these isolated even at this season of the year. Very little can happen in the personal affairs of our company in this comparatively dull time, but it is good to see the steady progress that proceeds unconsciously in cementing the happy relationship that exists between the members of the party. Never could there have been a greater freedom from quarrels and trouble of all sorts. 
I have not heard a harsh word or seen a black look. A spirit of tolerance and good humour pervades the whole community, and it is glorious to realise that men can live under conditions of hardship, monotony and danger in such bountiful good comradeship. Preparations are now being made for Christmas festivities. It is curious to think that we have already passed the longest day in the southern year. Saw a whale this morning, estimated twenty-five to thirty feet. Wilson thinks a new species. Find Adelie penguins in batches of twenty or so. Do not remember having seen so many together in the pack. After midnight, December the 23rd, steam was reported ready at 11 p.m. After some pushing to and fro, we wriggled out of our ice prison and followed a lead to Obner waters. We have come into a region where the open water exceeds the ice. The former lies in great irregular pools, three or four miles or more across, and connecting with many leads. The latter, and the fact is puzzling, still contain flows of enormous dimensions. We have just passed one, which is at least two miles in diameter. In such a scattered sea we cannot go direct, but often have to make longish detours. But on the whole, in calm water, and with a favouring wind, we make good progress. With the sea even as open as we find it here, it is astonishing to find the flows so large, and clearly there cannot be a southerly swell. The flows have water pools, as described this afternoon, and none average more than two feet in thickness. We have two or three bergs in sight. Saturday, December the 24th, Christmas Eve. 69 degrees 1 minute south, 178 degrees 29 minutes west, south 22, east 29 minutes, Cape Crozier, 551 minutes. Alas, alas, at 7 a.m. this morning we were brought up with a solid sheet of pack extending in all directions, save that from which we had come. I must honestly own that I turned in at three, thinking we had come to the end of our troubles. I had a suspicion of anxiety when I thought of the size of the flows, but I didn't for a moment suspect we should get into thick pack again behind those great sheets of open water. All went well till four, then the white wall again appeared ahead. At five all leads ended, and we entered the pack. At seven we were close up to an immense composite flow, about as big as any we've seen. She wouldn't skirt the edge of this, and she wouldn't go through it. There was nothing to do but to stop and bank fires. How do we stand? Any day or hour the flows may open up, leaving a road to further open water to the south, but there is no guarantee that one would not be hung up again and again in this manner as long as these great flows exist. In a fortnight's time the flows will have crumbled somewhat, and in many places the ship will be able to penetrate them. What to do under these circumstances calls for the most difficult decision. If one lets fires out, it means a dead loss of over two tons, when the boiler has to be heated again. But this two tons would only cover a day under banked fires, so that for anything longer than twenty-four hours it is economy to put the fires out. At each stoppage one is called upon to decide whether it is to be for more or less than twenty-four hours. Last night we got some five or six hours of good going ahead, but it has to be remembered that this costs two tons of coal, in addition to that expended in doing the distance. If one waits, one probably drifts north. In all other respects, conditions ought to be improving, except that the southern edge of the pack will be steadily augmenting. The above seems to show that the drift is generally with the wind. 
we have had a predominance of westerly winds in a region where a predominance of easterly might be expected. Now that we have an easterly, what will be the result? Sunday, December the 25th, Christmas Day. Dead reckoning, 69 degrees 5 minutes south, 178 degrees 30 minutes east. The night before last I had bright hopes that this Christmas Day would see us in open water. The scene is altogether too Christmassy. Ice surrounds us. Low nimbus clouds intermittently discharging light snowflakes obscure the sky. Here and there small pools of open water throw shafts of black shadow onto the cloud. This black predominates in the direction from whence we have come. Elsewhere the white haze of ice blink is pervading. We are captured. We do practically nothing under sail to push through, and could do little under steam, and at each step forward the possibility of advance seems to lessen. The wind, which has persisted from the west for so long, fell light last night, and to-day comes from the northeast by north, a steady breeze from two to three in force. Since one must have hope, ours is pinned to the possible effect of a continuance of easterly wind. Again the call is for patience, and again patience. Here at least we seem to enjoy full security. The ice is so thin that it could not hurt by pressure. There are no bergs within reasonable distance. Indeed, the thinness of the ice is one of the most tantalising conditions. In spite of the unpropitious prospect, everyone on board is cheerful, and one foresees a merry dinner to-night. The mess is gaily decorated with our various banners. There was full attendance at the service this morning, and a lusty singing of hymns. Should we now try to go east or west? I have been trying to go west, because the majority of tracks lie that side, and no one has encountered such hard conditions as ours. Otherwise there is nothing to point to this direction, and all through the last week the prospect of the west has seemed less promising than in other directions. In spite of orders to steer to the south-west, when possible, it has been impossible to push in that direction. An event of Christmas was the production of a family by Crean's rabbit. She gave birth to seventeen, it is said, and Crean has given away twenty-two. I don't know what will become of the parent or family. At present they are warm and snug enough tucked away in the fodder under the forecastle. Midnight. Tonight the air is thick with falling snow, the temperature twenty-eight degrees. It is cold and slushy without. A merry evening has just concluded. We had an excellent dinner. Tomato soup, penguin breast, stewed as an entree, roast beef, plum pudding and mince pies, asparagus, champagne, port and liqueurs. A festive menu. Dinner began at six and ended at seven. For five hours the company has been sitting round the table singing lustily. We haven't much talent, but everyone has contributed more or less, and the choruses are deafening. It is rather a surprising circumstance that such an unmusical party should be so keen on singing. On Christmas night it was kept up till 1 a.m., and no work is done without a shanty. I don't know if you have ever heard sea shanties being sung. The merchant sailors have quite a repertoire and invariably call on it when getting up anchor or hoisting sails. Often as not they are sung in a flat and throaty style, but the effect when a number of men break into the chorus is generally inspiriting. The men had dinner at midday, much the same fare, but with beer and some whisky to drink. They seem to have enjoyed themselves much. Evidently the men's deck contains a very merry band. There are three groups of penguins roosting on the floors quite close to the ship. I made the total number of birds thirty-nine. We could easily capture these birds. 
and so it is evident that food can always be obtained in the pack. Tonight I noticed a skewer gull settle on an upturned block of ice at the edge of the floe on which several penguins were preparing for rest. It is a fact that the latter held a noisy confabulation with the skewer as subject. Then they advanced as a body towards it. Within a few paces the foremost penguin halted and turned, and then the others pushed him on towards the skewer. One after another they jibbed at being first to approach their enemy and it was only with much chattering and mutual support that they gradually edged towards him. They couldn't reach him as he was perched on a block, but when they got quite close the skewer, who up to that time had appeared quite unconcerned, flapped away a few yards, and settled close on the other side of the group of penguins. The latter turned and repeated their former tactics, until the skewer finally flapped away altogether. It really was extraordinarily interesting to watch the timorous protesting movements of the penguins, the frame of mind producing every action could be so easily imagined and put into human sentiments. On the other side of the ship, part of another group of penguins were quarrelling for the possession of a small pressure block, which offered only the most insecure foothold. The scrambling antics to secure the point of vantage, the ousting of the bird in possession, and the incontinent loss of balance and position as each bird reached the summit of his ambition was almost as entertaining as the episode of the skewer. Truly, these little creatures afford much amusement. End of chapter 2, part 2